This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Three on one of the Canucks hurry. Lafferty, left wing, shoot, stop by Skinner, rebound, Oaklander scores! Hughes skates down to the top of the left circle, back to Miller, one-timer, hit both posts! Bounce back into the slot, Canucks are celebrating. Pedersen's pointing to the net, he thinks it was in. And I agree, Bats, I think that one went in. We'll wait and see if we hear a horn as Miller gains the Oilers line again on left wing. My initial reaction was both posts and out. Now Garland holds in, cutting into the slot. Tied up by McLeod, there's the horn, the goal's gonna count! Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Hughes left point to the back door, Pedersen settles it, Bradford Besser, he scores! A filthy passing pit play lands on the stick of Brock Besser. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks run up the score 6-2 over the Edmonton Oilers. Top power play unit out in the final minute of the game with a three-goal lead. Clear message. Canucks with a huge victory. 6-2. Yes, 6-2 over the Edmonton Oilers. They've won all three games. They faced the powerhouse Edmonton team that is sputtering mightily to start the season. The Canucks now open up a 14-point lead. It's game 12. The Canucks have more points in their lead over the Oilers than they have games played this season. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free one Late 275 650 and Randy. I mean, I don't even know what else to kind of say about what what this team is doing right now. I mean, hey, the first period, Edmonton came out flying. Yeah. I mean, they gave Vancouver their best punch, and the Canucks they 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 took it. They took a one nothing lead. Edmonton did. How were they responded? The second period, the Canucks were clearly the better team, took over the game, and after that, the game was never in doubt. And I know Edmonton made a bit of a push later in the game, but they held their composure, disciplined with how they played, and an impressive victory yet again for this team. Especially after being outshot 19-2 to start off this game. Remember, you mentioned Edmonton came out swinging, right? They were a confident bunch early on, but once that first goal went in, that was really the test for Edmonton. Would they be able to stand their ground or buckle? And we saw what happened. We saw what happened there where they need a save. Pew Suter shoots right through Stuart Skinner and the shoulders slumped and credit to the Vancouver Canucks who puffed out their chest and said, alright, let's lean into this one. And that's exactly what they did. A composed game. It got greasy in the end. And to your point, when you did the intro to the postgame show, power play went out there. Alright, if you want to take it to the alley, if you want to try to get greasy... We can, uh, we can compensate and we can come back with our, our power play unit. And if you want to do that, we can play that game as well. That was, that was a, a good... I, I love that decision from Rick talking to say, all right, if you want to do that, let's play that game. Especially having already seen it in this building in game one. Yep. The message was already sent then. You want to keep doing it. Like that time it was Drysaddle taking packs and McDavid. So, okay, we'll send out... If you guys want to play Chief, we'll send out power play one to do it. What happened tonight? It's the same thing. Uh, they got rattled, and out goes the top unit, and the Canucks are like, all right, we'll just put up another one. Snow skin off our high. We'll keep doing it. So two games here, the Edmonton Oilers. This is the final game that they're making in Vancouver. Outscored 14-3 to in the two games. Just total domination by the Canucks in both games. Absolutely. And, I mean, the fact that Vancouver, through their first 12 games now, have 17 points, they have a 14-point lead on Edmonton. They're, they're building up leads on other teams. And, yeah, you don't make the playoffs 
through 12 games in a season. There are only, oh, I, I mean, 70 games remaining. There are tons of games remaining. I mean, we'll see ultimately what happens. But Can I read some stats about that, Sat? And here's here's the thing, though. You and, got a and spreadsheet, don't you? Big no, has I, sp- I talked well, about this to, uh, to, today he, on the People he Show. He did. He mentioned this, and he sent some of this stuff to me uh, yesterday when we were kind of talking about the game tonight got and it. getting prepared for it. And it's prep not prep. that, it's not, prep, what prep? It's not that, that the Canucks um, can guarantee that they make the playoffs, right? But just like we talked about last year, if you're so many points out after 12 games, 20 games, your chances of making the playoffs are like 10%, maybe 15% if you're being if yep. you're being kind. If you take if you start off like this, your odds of making the playoffs are actually your chances of missing the playoffs are not as big anymore. And Bick did some research on this. Since 0506, that lockout, uh, 50 teams have won nine of their first 12 games. 45 go on to make the playoffs. Okay. Since 2013-14, 10 years, 10, 10 seasons, 30 teams that win their 9 or their opening 12, 27 have made the playoffs. So it's rarefied air for you to not finish in a spot. And to be honest, I, at this stage, I'd be kind of disappointed if it was not a Pacific Division seed. Well, to your point, though, you know, in this city, last two or three years, we've talked about the, the alternative. you got to catch up. Mm-hmm. Here, now you're on the other side, you're looking at it and saying, all right, keep up the good play, keep up, you know, that structure, keep up the, the effort, and so far, so good. That's one heck of a, uh, a an outlook, and if you're on the other side, five points for the Oilers after what? They've got 11 games now? That's that's the opposite outlook, right? And yeah, it, they're in a tough spot. It's underscored because the fact that you're 14 up now on the Oilers. Yeah, yeah. they got a game in hand. It doesn't matter. The Oilers are not going to catch up to the Canucks this year. Maybe they make it close, but it's too big of a gap. It, it is. I mean, Edmonton at this point, they're sitting. They have to get in their final seventy games about ninety-two points to ensure they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. It's like seven seventy hockey. Yeah, guys, that's that's tough. And that t- I mean, and McDavid and Drysaitel. I mean, and McDavid doesn't look right tonight. He sure. he was still good. I mean, he still did his thing for the most part. Didn't get on the score sheet, but he doesn't look like himself. These guys have to go supernova for that to happen. They can. But they don't look like they're anywhere close. Anywhere close. No, and you need some saves. You need to play better defense, like transition, especially in that second play. A little chip by Niels Hoaglander into the neutral zone. Uh, he ends up finishing that play as a trailer, but they were slicing and dicing him in transition in that second period, especially when the game started to open up a little bit and Edmonton was trying to get back in the game. Uh, for Vancouver, I love to see that because you're taking advantage of a weakness of the other team. From Edmonton's perspective, yeah. teams know how to play him, right? If, you, if McDavid and Drysdale aren't scoring, they're going to give up a lot in transition. We saw that tonight. That's the thing. I think we're uniquely uh, situated in this market to, to recognize what's happening on the other side of the ice and say, hey, we've seen a lot of parallels to this yep. in years past. And all you can do is take advantage of it. And, you know, this is the thing is I, in moments when the Oilers tried to instigate something, the Canucks didn't get caught up in it. And... Like we saw that here in this market of trying to do too much and getting out of your yeah. your own game, and the Canucks said, "Hey, like we'll we'll play our game. We'll just wait this out, and the opportunities will open up for us." And sure enough, like we sit here at six two, it's here they go again. Well, that goal that Pew Suter ended up scoring. There's Dakota Joshua on the right hand side, great yeah. play with speed. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at the Oilers, three guys like inching towards them, and and that you know opened up that lane for Pew Suter to deposit it into the back of the net. But you could see defensively. The Oilers just kind of being stretched there and, and not communicating. Yeah, certainly. And the Canucks, well, they took full advantage. And let's go outside the Canucks locker room where we're joined by Canucks forward Phil DiGiuseppe here who helped the Canucks win 6-2 over this Edmonton Oilers squad, beating them the third time this season. And, Phil, thanks for joining us. And, number one, congrats on the victory. Um, I know it's 12 games in, but 
you guys couldn't have imagined this good of a start, could you have? How are we doing, fellas? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good start. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, we're not we're not getting too high, but uh, yeah, it's a heck of a start. And um, you know, our model right now is just keep it going. So um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what else to say <laughs> about that, boys. But it's been nice. It's been nice. No, it's great vibes in the building as well. It's nice to have Rogers Arena alive and, and kicking. And you know, in that first period, they get the. The first goal of the game, you're outshot 19 to two. Uh, but in this building, there was always that belief that you get that first one and anything can happen. What was the message on the bench after that opening, you know, 10 minutes? I mean, first and foremost, hats off to Demko. Um, you know, we have full confidence in him and, and sort of our fan base. So, um, you know, he was electric there and, and kept us in that game 100%. So, um, you know, our message just was they're going to come. Obviously, we all know that. They've had a tough start, um, so they were they were going to be ready to play, um, and I thought they took it to us for a bit, and I think they followed their game plan, and um, you know I think for the most part we just stuck with it. I know it's a cliche stay, saying, but um, you know we hang it, we hung in there. Obviously, power play took care of business for us, and um, but I, I just want to make it known that you know that was Demmer all, all first period. Uh, you were out there against Connor McDavid 11 minutes. Uh, your line in particular too. Um, when you see all the antics over the course of the game, is that like a badge of honor? Of course. I, I think they did, if I'm not mistaken, have us hemmed in a few times, um, as you guys saw. But um, I think we, we kept them to the outside for the most part. I could be wrong about that. But, um, yeah, obviously we, we know the assignment, and, and we tried to play them hard. So, um, you know, he's, he's a Yippee. good player. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he's you a know good what? player. So, yeah. um, we agree. We agree. <laughs> I hope you can edit that out. That's all good. Bigger. That's why you guys brought me on. Eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Phil, man, you're always great to chat with, and you know, I get it. I mean, you guys are are, are obviously excited about winning too, and taking on Connor McDavid. And I thought, obviously, McDavid's going to get his. He's going to create some scoring chances. It's not like you're going to keep a guy like that from having any scoring chances. But one of the things that has impressed me by your line, though, is the fact that you're still able, even if you're hemmed in, you guys are still able to create three or four real quality scoring chances against that line. I know you know each chance didn't go in, but how do you feel about your ability, even against McDavid, to turn that defense into offense at times? I think we're relying on our structure, um, especially in those moments where we're hemmed in there. Um, you know, Mills is doing a heck of a job down low communicating um, our D2, and um, you know, me and Bess are trying to help out as well. So I think that's a testament to our structure. Um, and then uh, you know, we, we look to try to play in their end to frustrate them. We talked about the line as a whole, but like JT versus Connor McDavid specifically, we saw even, you know, there's a chance in transition that you guys had. JT can't score on the play, but right after that, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, physical play. He's thinking defense right after that offensive chance. Well, what can you say about his his play tonight specifically? He's been great, um, and he takes a lot of pride pride in those matchups and, and wants to go against the best players and, and, and show that, you know, he's he's up there with them. Um, and I think he's done that from, from the drop of the puck this year. Um, so, like I said last time, I don't know if he listens to the show, but um, he's done a heck of a job, so it's a pleasure playing with him. Uh, that's why I asked, Phil. I wanted to see what you'd say this yeah. time. Uh, last one for me, Phil. Um, you know, we, we, we see that, like, the team kind of stick up for each other uh, throughout the course of the game, especially in the back end. You score in the power play as well. But, you know, just try to take us into the room of, of the vibes of, of you guys right now kind of sticking up for each other. Yeah, Millsy fought there. I, I wanted to, you know, relieve some pressure from him, but he wanted it, so <laughs> I had to let him 
let him take it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're we're a close group, and um, you know, obviously, we're playing well, and um, you know, we're sticking together. I think that, that's what that's what we need, um, and that that that's going to continue. I remember seeing you at the captain's gate with Christian Willan and you guys were doing a mock fight. Uh, <laughs> is that why you're kind of like waiting to for that scrap, or were you volunteering there? Uh, I don't know. We were pretty tired there. We didn't really know what was going on, so I saw, I think it was McDavid grabbed him, so I went to grab him, and then Hyman jumped in. I tried to grab him, and then before you know it, JT had his gloves off. So I didn't want to get a penalty there, um, but I wanted to be known that I did beat Willanen. I heard there was, I heard there was some rumors that he oh, okay. took the W, but yeah. let it be known, yeah, I right. won that one. Say, so, uh, hey, fact, the facts are stated on the show. Okay, uh, before we let you go, what did Niels Hoglander say? Did he make fun of Edmonton or something to the Oilers because they were after him the whole game? I think he's just playing hard. Um, you know, he's in their face, and and that's when he's at his best. So. Um, I think he was just playing hard. Uh, I think Ekholm took a penalty on him in the fir- yeah. at the end of the mm-hmm. first, yep. and then um, you know he gave him a little shot. I didn't think it was too bad, but um, he, he kind of dove. So they were going at it, and and that's what you need some some emotion. So um, my hat, my hat goes off to Augie too because he played a great game tonight. Hey Phil, thanks so much for your time, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Great stuff tonight, and best of luck on the road trip as well. Thank you guys. Try to edit that up. <laughs> We'll do, do me a favor. <laughs> we'll do our best. Thanks, man. Have a good night. You too. Uh, that is Phil DiGiuseppe, Canucks forward. Fantastic stuff. Fantastic stuff. You could do stand-up at Yuck Yucks, man. Oh, he's great. He's, he's, he's always great to talk to, right? I mean, and what a fantastic story. But on a night where, again, no passengers. Like, we talk about they had to take a, a pretty good wallop for the first 10 minutes of the game. Edmonton was all over them early on. Thatcher Demko made a, made a bunch of big saves and didn't let it get out of control when it was one nothing. And then the Canucks answered back. And once they answered back, the game just changed. Yeah. You know, Vancouver grew into the game again, and we can talk about things where they have some shortcomings, of course, and again, the start obviously was better for Edmonton, but the way they're able to be resilient and the, the way they don't fall apart, we talk about the structure so much, but the fact that, you know, like Phil himself mentioned, you know, they stay true to how they need to play, they don't get out of their own way too much, and, and that just allows them to stay in these hockey games, and even against a team like Edmonton, I know they've struggled, but that's still Connor McDavid, that's still, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, and the fact that they're just punching back and holding their ground, it, it's been very impressive. It has, and I think to echo what Phil DiGiuseppe just said, the opening 10 minutes, Thatcher Demko, man, like yeah. his, what, 40 saves on the night, 42 shots total. This is a guy that is so locked in to start the year, and his team is not the same team as last year. We talked about that, you know, at length, but there are certain moments in a game where you need your goaltender to make those three, four, five, six, mm-hmm. seven saves. Like early on in this game, it was what, nine zip shots on goal, 19 to two halfway through the period, and you get confidence from that where you're saying, we got this guy behind us. If we have 10 minutes that are, they outplay us, that's all right. We got one of the best guys in the league. Look at the opposite side of the rink, where that suitor shot should have, if anything, maybe helps Edmonton get some confidence. It takes away confidence. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right about like the structure and the way that they're playing. And really, between the ears, they're a different team. But when you got that guy in net too, it makes a world of a difference. If he's playing like that, you feel like you have a shot in every single game. doesn't matter how badly you're outplayed in the opening 10 minutes. He's there. You're going to be in it. Yeah, it, it, it just allows you to have a get out of jail free for stretches, right? Yep. And if you believe in your overall team play, okay, eventually you can turn it around. The goalie's going to get his shine for a couple of minutes. Obviously, not every game is going to be 
60 minutes perfect on the nose. Yeah. The other team has their chance to yeah. try to get their victory as well. Well, you, what do you always say? The other team is allowed to win too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other team is allowed to win too. And, okay, so in those moments, and, and this is what we've talked about, having success with the results to reinforce your belief that you can pull yourself out of a bad moment. Tonight was a bit of an identity game. Like, we've been waiting for these, okay, what is the identity? And now suddenly you can say the first step of it is resiliency mm-hmm. because they trust in the idea that, hey, we, we'll turn the game around at some point. Certainly the back half of the first and most of that second, they turned the game around, and it, it looked like what we've seen through the first 11 games, save for the Philly game. And so that's the ability of, hey, we, we've, we've had success, and we don't need the coach to sell us on the idea of, hey, keep playing our way. The players know it because they're off to this fantastic start. No, they certainly have been. And, Randeep, uh, before we let you go, uh, the Canucks are heading out on a road trip now. Yeah. Uh, at what, they're 9-2-1 and one through their first 12 games. It's never easy going through this road trip. They have back-to-backs coming up on the weekend as well. But, I mean, with the vibes vibing the way they are, like, well, what, are, what should our expectations be? Well, boys, first of all, I'm just happy last year. Remember when it was my first year doing color and they wouldn't win? And I felt like I took that personally. <laughs> right yeah. with the I was, oh, yeah. Remember the Janda Chris was a thing for like, it was. and it was. like now I'm feeling a lot better about this whole thing. Uh, overall, though, you look at Ottawa first, and that's a team that's not in a very, you know, all that different situation than the Edmonton Oilers. They're they're soul searching right now to see where they're at. So mm-hmm. that's that's a game that the Canucks should win. I know the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs had a heck of a game today. They were down four one. They end up winning six uh, five. That's a high event hockey team right now. They're not locking down anything. Their door is open all day every day, and that's a game that I look at to say, you know what. That's a game that you don't want to get in a track meet with that team, but if you play it smart, there's a lot of weaknesses on that back end. And you got to watch out for Austin Matthews. you got to watch out for those guys. But I like the Canucks in that matchup right now. Even though the Leafs will be on home ice, it should be a... It's obviously a Saturday game. It's a big headline game. But I like the Canucks in the way that they're... They're in that structure right now to, to play against the Leafs. Getting to skate through Canada for the next three games is going to be real interesting. Yeah. Like I, I saw uh, Paul Bissonnette tweet out, it's like the, the Canucks might be a wagon here all of a sudden, and now <laughs> they're going to go through Canada and everyone else is going to get to see them. I know Elliot Friedman last week was like, hey, this is the Canada's best hope. Well, they're going to showcase themselves all across the country uh, this next week. I was going to say, there's no Janda curse, but Biz might have a curse because every team that he gives the bump to, they end up <laughs> struggling. So you might want to stay away from that one, all right? Oh, yeah. We'll blame him then if it goes sideways. Randy, great stuff, man. Calling the game alongside Brendan Batchy. We look forward to chatting with you coming up on Thursday. Cheers, boys. Uh, all right. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll get your phone calls as well. And we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett as soon as he meets with the media here post-game after a 6-2 victory by the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reaction on the text inbox. We'll, we'll go there in just a moment. But in terms of, like, who stood out tonight, outside of Thatcher Demko, I'd say Quinn Hughes. I was really, I was, I thought he had an excellent game, uh, especially considering the degree of difficulty of what he was going up against. Like, who did you think stood out tonight outside of the team effort? Nils Hoaglander, uh, obviously with the goal and just the the, the constant effort. Um, and and that's the thing. It's you know we got a lot of texts of like, oh, Hoaglander feels feels like he's found his role. It's almost like a discount Garland role. Mm-hmm. Like he played nine minutes and forty six seconds. Yeah, we've said this a couple of times about Nils Hoaglander: eight minutes, ten minutes, nine minutes. Okay, but what are you doing in those nine minutes? Right, you can sit there and sulk and say oh, I'm not getting enough ice time. Okay, but in your role, you got to be energetic. You got to be all the things. And it feels like they found a nice little wheelhouse. It's like if you're going to play this active, okay, like. We're giving you nine important minutes. Yes. Go crush those minutes. And he's like first period, he's getting under the skin of people. I'm glad he got a goal to get rewarded for all that effort. 
uh, draws a penalty, um, you know, takes one obviously you as well. But like I'm less concerned about that when you're playing that active. Um, obviously Quinn Hughes, yeah. I, it's a lot of bottom six guys to be honest. You, you go through this. Suter gets his goal. Hoaglander gets his goal. Joshua gets an assist. I, it, Lafferty gets an assist. Like there's a lot to like from some bottom six guys today. It was a quiet day for Elias Pettersson. One point, but. He did what he needed to do. JT Miller uh, gets the goal and assist, but it's it's the defensive side to me of what was so impressive for JT. Yeah, I mean, they went head-to-head against Connor McDavid, essentially, going over 11 minutes of 5-on-5 five five time against that line, which is a lot of time, 5-on-5 five five in a game, and they weren't scored on. Connor and McDavid, they kept Connor McDavid off the score sheet tonight. Even outside of that, it's just the the mentality, like, Look how the Oilers unraveled. Yeah. Oh, they unraveled. I mean, they absolutely melted down here tonight. And Woodcroft got tossed. Connor McDavid took a bad penalty. And I understand that, hey, they're trying to show some emotion. I thought it was a pretty bad look on McDavid to begin with. But, hey, I guess he's trying to get his guys going. But what is the coach doing getting tossed? You talk about composure. Now your captain's losing it. Now you're going to lose and get, get tossed out of the game. Uh, to me, that, that's not a very good sign of where things are at. You're the coach. You're supposed to be able to bring these guys down a little bit. It's clear they're already hot. Now you're just adding to it. Uh, I, don't, I don't love that, seeing that from Jay Woodcroft. And I'd be surprised if he lasts very much longer, considering how this Edmonton team, Oilers team is going. All right, let's hit a couple text messages before we get out, Bick, and hit one phone call. Uh, what do we got here on the text inbox? James and Qualcomm Beach. Miller was an absolute beast tonight. Uh, unsigned text here. Or Sorry, Andrew in Ontario. What a clinic. Oilers are, st- are soft, stymied by the versatile Canucks. Uh, Canucks are a tough matchup uh, with every team right now. Subtle plays and tight, hard passes all over the ice. Testament to the high skill level. It's fun watching this group taking massive steps uh, before our eyes. This one from Kevin or Ken in North Van. Oilers imploded tonight. Simply wow. Canucks weathered the storm, played their game, and boom, Oilers lost it. And this one, Andy from Langley. Uh, gotta love Rick Tockett throwing out power play one for the final nail in the coffin. Uh, Rick Tockett with a killer instinct, and it's rip- rippling into the entire team. Yeah, it absolutely is. All right. Uh, you know what? We got to get a break in. So let's get to your phone calls on the other side, more of your text messages, and we'll hear from head coach Rick Tockett. After a 6-2 Canucks victory, the Canucks have now picked up points at eight straight games, approved 9-2-1 on the season. That gives them 19 on the campaign already. It's Satsier Shaw with Bick Nazar in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central postgame show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hughes quickly ahead to Besser into the Oilers zone. Left wing Miller. Rink wide to Kuzmenko. Right boards. Goes back to Hughes. Left corner. To the back door. Pedersen settles in front for Besser. He scores! A filthy passing play lands on the stick of Brock Besser, who scores his second of the night. Tenth of the season, his second power play goal this evening as well. 6-2 Canucks in the final minute of the third. And the power power play keeps cranking out goals here. A tic-tac-toe play. 
Canucks walking the puck into the net. It's like scoring goals in soccer. It's pretty funny watching this Canucks team right now. Uh, red hot to begin the season. 6-2 over the Edmonton Oilers. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. 650-650. We'll hit those coming up in just a moment's time. And we'll take your phone calls in just a second too. And I mean, it's one of those nights where... We mentioned Quinn Hughes, four-point night for him. He's up to 20 on the season. Elias Pettersson picks up a point as well, and that brings him up to 21. So right now, the Canucks have the first and second leading scorer in the National Hockey League. Quinn Hughes is tied with his brother Jack for 20 points. So it just goes to show that through 12 games, the stars are being the stars. We mentioned Thatcher Demko, obviously tonight, outstanding first period. The reason the Canucks were able to be within a goal and then take over and win this hockey game ultimately. But you look at their star players up front, JT Miller, he got his love. He got a goal and an assist, and he's been fantastic as a two-way forward. But especially Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Hughes being given the captaincy this season. Elias Pettersson taking a bigger role, trying to earn a big, massive contract. And, I mean, it's all aces right now for those two guys. Yeah, and, and even the first goal, like, you know, we, we talked about um, the play uh, Kuzmenko makes kind of at the just inside the blue line, pulls up, try, doesn't try a risky cross-ice pass to Lafferty, waits for Quinn Hughes to attach to the play. But the, 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 the part of the play that I loved is Quinn Hughes taking a bouncing puck, retreating into his own zone. Like, we talk about Quinn Hughes keeping the puck into the zone yeah. on the power play often, how good he is at that. This was just as nice. Just bouncing puck out of the air, stopped it, tapped it to yeah. Rodick, and the pass gets to go up to Kazmenko, starting all that confusion of who's picking up who. And Hughes comes in, outflanking uh, Kuzmenko and generating that chance. Like, he's he's playing phenomenal right now. And he's it's it's not even just that... He's got the mobility. It's like he's playing full of confidence. Yes. That's the thing. And it's unreal how many points he's putting up right now. It is unreal. At this stage, last year, Eric Carlson, after 12 games, had 15 points. 15 after 12. Quinn Hughes has 20. And uh, Eric Carlson went on to have a pretty, pretty fantastic year last year, finishing with 101 points. And he's, he's five points ahead of the pace right now. Yeah, that's a pretty unreal start. And again, I mean, they're red hot. Uh, you know, we mentioned how, you know, what, what is sustainable, what isn't. I don't think the Canucks are going to get 130 points, which they're on pace for, right? Like, that, you know, they're, mm-hmm. that's red hot. And Pedersen, he may not score the 150 points he's on pace for, whatever it is. But when you get off to a start like this, it means your chance of having the type of big mega campaign becomes far more likely and, and possible. And it's just phenomenal what's happening right now with this organization and this team, especially with their star players. Uh, we'll hit a couple of text messages coming up in just a moment. But as mentioned, let's get to the phone boards. People have been waiting patiently to get on. And let, let's start things off in Victoria, where we have Raymond on the line. Raymond, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts here this evening? Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, man. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's, uh, it's uh, amazing watching this team and the way they're playing. Uh, it, it's been fun. Yeah, and so what? Would you have any thoughts on something specific you saw tonight? Yeah, honestly, it's it's the play of JT Miller. I mean, the guy's you know got a ton of criticism throughout his career in Vancouver, and it's it's pretty amazing what he's been able to accomplish early on the season. I mean, multiple times, you know, playing up against top players and and really being a two-way guy and putting up points he's in the top 10 scoring as well so i think you know i just want to give him credit where credit is due he's playing phenomenal and one other thing i had to say is that brock Besser is i mean mm-hmm. 
he's up to what? I can't remember how many goals he's got now. It might be nine, something like that. But yeah, uh, ten goals I mean, now. Ten goals. I mean, yeah. you know, we were we're trying to trade him for a bag of pucks last year, you know, and now he's a major pe- part of this, you know, che- two way checking line that we got going on. It's pretty incredible stuff they're witnessing. Yeah, absolutely is. Hey, Raymond, th- uh, thanks for calling in. And, you know, in terms of JT, I-, I couldn't agree more in terms of JT Miller's play. And th- there were many times last year when we were talking about JT and it wasn't positive when it came to his play. But I've always appreciated what he can be. And one of the reasons why, you, you know, we were more pro about keeping him and giving him a contract is when he is tuned in and plays at his best, he can reach levels not many guys can reach. And the way he's playing right now this season as a two-way player, as uh, the investment he has, and he spoke to Ian McIntyre on that great article after the Dallas game on sportsnet.ca about how he felt like it was the best game he's had as a connect, the most satisfying win, and just how dedicated he is to do the right things. The coach again mentioned today how Miller, Besser, and PDG were before the game on their own, getting to the rink early before the morning skate, watching video and, and looking at ways to improve and get better. When you see him engaged and locked in like that, he's an absolute force. And those types of players are hard to get, man. And right now, the way he's playing, he's a bargain for $8 million. The phrase, Remember the phrase I used a couple of years ago on Elias Pettersson, where it was like, form is temporary and talent's forever? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the reason it's easy to wait out some of the JT struggles that we've seen, right? And it, it's happened in, in the North Division year. It happened a bit, uh, obviously, last year, but he came back and finishes out with 82 points. But, you know, to, to Raymond's point, it's like he's playing fantastic, but it's not as if we didn't see a peak. Like, he's put up 99 points. He put up 72 and 69 when he first arrived. He now crests 300 points as a Vancouver Canuck. Came into this game. Uh, oh, sorry, he's, he's well past it. But uh, he came into this season. Um, with uh, 299 and 283, it's like he's he's putting up unbelievable numbers in Vancouver, and he just he just keeps adding to it, keeps adding to it, and like another couple of points tonight. No, and, and with that emotional um, level he can hit too, and we've seen the flip side of it when it's bad. And we know what it can look like, but also when it's engaged in the right way, you see the impact it has on the team, and also when he's out there on the ice. Just fantastic stuff for him. Him and Sorry, as far as, I, I got the number wrong. It's 317 points now in 295 games as Canuck. Well, he has the second best points per game in mm-hmm. Canucks history, as we know, behind Pavel Bure. And you're seeing why again the consistency in his game, and uh, it's been a fantastic start for JT Miller and Brock Besser. Ten goals on the on the season in ten and twelve games. We talk about hitting 30 goals. Now he's got to score 20 and 70 to get to 30. Seems very doable. So Brock Besser's off to a fantastic start, and he is on course to have a uh, record-breaking season for his career at the very least. All right, let's keep things going on the phone boards, and we'll go to Richmond where we have Christian on the line. Christian, thanks for calling in. Uh, What do you have for us tonight? Yeah, hey, guys, how's it going? I know I've seen you both around Rogers Arena a few times, but, uh, you know, solid effort for the last 50 minutes of play. Um I actually have a, fa- a fun fact for you guys. Quinn Hughes has now become one of the fastest defensemen in NHL history to reach the 20-mark point in a season. Uh, with 12 games played, he now sits beside Al McKennis, Dennis Poffin, and Bobby Orr. So there's your fun fact. NHL history, he's, he's up there now, all time. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Uh, thanks for the phone call. That is Christian calling in from Richmond. I mean... We're talking about a guy who's off to the type of start Hall of Famers get off to. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like that was, he was the fastest guy to get to 200 what assists for a uh, NHL defenseman. I think it was 200 points, whatever it was. We're talking about a guy who's doing things the all-time greats have done. And if he continues on this course and stays healthy, we're talking about a Hall of Fame level talent. But that's what he is. Again, the, the, the talent, it, it requires longevity, yes. consistency, and all that sort of stuff. But just the independent talent, you, you compare it to other guys, that are, it's like, yeah, there's, there's comparable guys that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And you know, it's kind of why we, we've sat here, sat and said, it's like, yeah, look, you can do the rebuild and all that sort of stuff. But you have guys right now that have tasted the playoffs. It's not as if they shrunk in the scene in the playoffs either. They go out and they won a couple of rounds, qualifying round. They, they, they go beat the Blues. They challenge the Vegas Golden Knights in that bubble year. And so you just kind of look at it and said, you've got to give these guys as many chances because they're at some point going to hit a peak. And right now they're hitting this peak, and I want to see these guys every year possible in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, because I mean- if, if they're playing at this level, they're going to be tough, man. They are really going to be tough. Because like, these guys are controlling the game at their tempo. And it's, it's like Hughes is just unbelievable. Like, every time he, he steps on the ice, you can just feel the temperature go up and the anticipation go up, too. It's like, all right, something awesome is going to happen. Because it's not going to happen in your end. But for 24 minutes tonight when he was out there, you just knew everything was going to calm down and he was going to create something. There was, there was a play he made in the second period. The Canucks, when they started taking over the game and, and they were really the better team in that frame. And there was one stretch in particular, and it all started because of what Quinn Hughes did on a breakout. He was being pressured on the breakout, so he had to, you know, he, had to, he did a twirl and, and circle back in his own zone and kind of skated backwards. And we know that the coach hates this. If any defenseman not named Quinn Hughes does this, because they can't do what Quinn Hughes just did. So instead of do, making what what I looked at as the easy play, which would have been a DDD pass to Philip Ronick, instead of doing that, he looks up ice, and because of his twirl and him stretching back, he drew the four checkers to him. His forwards had busted out of the zone; they were already at the opposing blue line, so it stretched the defense out, and he hit a. Great pass right up the middle to Brock Bester, who got a clean zone entry, and it led to about two minutes of zone time for the Canucks. It had about two or three scoring chances on it as well. Quinn Hughes joined in the play a bit later to, to create a bit more offense. Philip Peronic hit the post later in that sequence. And that all starts because of Quinn Hughes and how he essentially nullified a forecheck, created a seam, and got a zone entry. I mean, these are things that sometimes we don't pay as much attention to, but that's how you control a game. It's like playing quarterback and everybody else is out there, and you're just starting your offense. Uh, 650-650, catching up in the inbox here. Uh, unsigned text, uh, been watching since the West Coast Express era, uh, given the nightmare the last few years have been, and how much I love PD and Hughes. This is honestly the most excited I've been about a Canucks team. That's uh, one text, this one from Cam in Port Moody, 650-650. Canucks rebuilt the defense, is so much more steady and reliable. Friedman for Rathbone, paying off big time. Cole is a vet. Hronik and Hughes, best pair in the league. And maybe even Myers, less chaotic. Uh, big snaps for uh, Patrick Alvine and Co. Friedman, a um, little bit interested in, just to see how this kind of develops. Now it was eight minutes the other night, ten minutes tonight. It feels like we're, we're getting that defense by committee approach now significantly more. Like we saw two yeah. righties out together. So we are kind of seeing that. Something to monitor here moving forward, how much ice time he continues to get. Because when he, when he first arrived on the scene, uh, I, I thought him and Ian Cole were really you know, doing the, the simple stuff quickly and yeah. effectively. It, it, it helped 
uh, moved the puck out, and certainly they were, they were feisty. But like the minutes have gone from like he started 13, 15, 15, played 16, uh, 17 against San Jose, but now it's like 8 and 10 in the last couple. Yeah, and you're starting to see some flaws in his game too, which is understandable. We're talking about a, you know a seven eight defenseman, mm-hmm. but he's still been better than any other yes. option the Canucks have had, right? And but it also underscores a reason why the Canucks are still very active as a team to improve their roster. They're still looking to add defensemen. We'll see with Ethan Bear when he gets healthy. He's a guy that they're looking to add if and when he is ready to go a bit later on, closer to Christmas, most likely. So. There are reasons why, and if you start adding to this team, and people are asking about Teddy Bluger, which who will, we will get to Teddy Bluger and the conversation around him as well, because he could be a big addition to this team, especially when you look at what Pew Suter has done. And I mean, we can talk about Pew Suter as well, but let's uh, let's run through a couple text messages, and we'll take one more phone call uh, before we get to head coach Rick Tockett here on the post game show. Um, and there were a few thoughts that I thought were really interesting. Um, I like this one here that came in. Um, so refreshing to see the Canucks playing as a one unit finally. Great game, but, but just a one-off. They really need to get rid of uh, the BCHL Beer League woot-woot after every goal. goal. Maybe throw in a shoot, uh, let thrill, ACDC, get the place going, really. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, I did think that, that woot-woot that we talk about, too, which is what is the, uh, it's the, um, what is it called, Ric Flair? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a little juniorish. Yeah, it's a little juniorish. It's a Boston Bruins thing. That's why I never liked it to begin with. Yeah, yeah, that's the you know, and if fast Eddie Gregory jumps in and says it's very junior. I'd, I'd say maybe that's one flaw when it comes to the overall thing. But overall, it's been a pretty good vibe, a really good vibe here, especially tonight after the Canucks won six two. Let's go to the phone boards. Let's go to Aiden in Nanaimo. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, how's it going, boys? Yeah, so I love it. Um, I love it. Um, Demko plays incredible every night. He shows up to play the Canucks. They show up to play. I love watching this team. What I really want to talk about tonight is how Quinn Hughes is just a menace. Man, he's insane. I love it. And, like, I don't know how this team's going to play out the rest of the season because it's still early. It's not that early, but it is still early. Um, But I just love it. Like, I'm seeing some teams play right now that are not very good, like the San Jose Sharks and Edmonton Oilers, and I'm seeing some teams that are playing good, like the Golden Knights and the Canucks, and I see the Canucks playing the Golden Knights in the near future down a playoff run, and it's going to be such a good match. I'm just hyped about this season, man. It's just going to be wild to watch, and I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped for the team, for them to be winning like this. It's awesome. I hope you have a good night, boys. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed the game. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Aiden. Uh, he's fired up after the game, I mean, and, and we did enjoy it. I mean, it was a, a thoroughly entertaining game here tonight. From start to finish, there was a lot of action. There was a lot of emotion, a lot of goals, a lot of great moments, You know, even a couple scraps. Like It was, it was a really good, intense hockey game. You got something of everything, right? Yeah. You got the anxiety of like, oh my God, they're getting dominated right now, nineteen to two or seventeen to two in the shots early on, and you know the Canucks work their way back slowly and claw their way back. It ended up being twenty-eight in that first period, but then they get the shot count seventy-nine in the second period. So you you get the game flipping, you get controversy with the goalie interference penalty, a kicked-in goal. Yeah, is this a penalty? Is that a penalty? Goals, quick goals, all the fights. 
the coach was thrown out of the game. Yeah. Like, what, what, Jay Woodcroft. what more could you have wanted in this game? We'll hear from Woodcroft as well. We'll, we'll, grab a, we'll grab a clip from him, see what he had to say post-game. Connor McDavid didn't have much to say. He's not usually a very entertaining post-game uh, interview anyways and didn't have anything notable to say after the game. But we'll get you some comments from Jay Woodcroft and from Rick Tockett as soon as we get those as well. Marco and Burnaby says, Talk sending a message to the boys. I got your back. Remember what 97 said after the 8-1 game and puts out the power play one to run up the score. I love it, Marco and Burnaby. I, I mean, I, I'm curious to hear from Talkit, and if I had to guess, he's probably not going to say much, or he's not going to really add fuel to the fire, but he seemed like he was annoyed by something with Edmonton tonight. Add some fuel to the fire. You don't have to see these guys until uh, April 13th. Uh, hey, I love to see it. I'm just saying. My, my, my guess is he wants six points off of Edmonton. Six already. points off of Edmonton. But it seemed like there was a lot of... Um, Complaining from the Edmonton players in the bench, and obviously they're going after Hoaglander and some Canucks players too. And there was a couple times you could see Talkin was muttering something about what was being said. And I don't think it was a coincidence he put the first power play unit out. Like it wasn't just like we're working on our power play. It's a five-two game. You're in the last minute of the game. It's over, and you put the first unit out. That's a clear message. It absolutely is from the Canucks head coach. And what did he have to say about the game tonight? We'll get to you. We'll get that to you on the other side. After a big Canucks victory, we'll get to more of your thoughts and your phone calls and more analysis right here on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So Anthony Beauvillier will step in opposite Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl wins it back for Warren Fogle. Tried to dump it down the boards. Gave it away to Hoaglander. Banks it to center for Lafferty. It's a three-on-one of the Canucks hurry. Lafferty, left wing. Shoot, stop by Skinner. Rebound. Hoaglander scores! Niels Hoaglander trailing the play. Buries it past Stewart Skinner for his third of the year. And the Canucks lead 4-2. And Canucks go on to win 6-2 over the Oilers, beating them for the third time this season. All three games they've taken against Edmonton. And Niels Hoaglander, his third goal and fifth point of the campaign in 11 games. Fantastic effort from him tonight to help the Canucks win this hockey game. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar uh, on Sportsnet 650. We'll get to more of your text messages. A lot of great stuff coming in. I mean, it's hard to keep up with, with how many are coming in, so oh we'll get boy. to as many as we best. can. But uh, we'll do the best we absolutely can. However, we mentioned the head coach. What he had to say after yet another Canucks victory, here is Rick Tockett postgame. Yeah, they came out firing, and Demko was obviously all-world for us. It was about 15 minutes. We were under siege. <clears throat> Demmer, you know, does Demmer things. He was incredible. Then we found our game. So um, that's the way we look at it, you know. So obviously we're pretty happy with for Demko, what he, what he did for us. Seems like there's a confidence with your group right now that even, you know, having a start like that, getting yeah. behind early, you never feel like you're out of it. Is is that just building on some of the success you've already had, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you get your game back, you know. It took us a while. We didn't have our legs. We weren't skating. And then, um, you know, obviously guys, they were they were standing on the bench. You know, we got to wake up here. I didn't even have to say anything. So, um, yeah, it gives confidence that you can get your game back. You know, the, you know. just because you have a bad 15, there's plenty of time left to get in the game, and that's what I like about this team. What do you think about the composed pushback from your team in the third period there to stand up for the team but not go over the – kind of cross the line, I guess, from your group? Yeah. No, I thought we were disciplined. I thought uh, from the, all night we were really disciplined um, system-wise too, uh, especially in you know, the last 45 minutes. But, uh, yeah, I thought we were uh, played disciplined hockey tonight. 
What'd you like about your bottom six tonight? You got a push there? Yeah, um, big goal by Hoggy. Um, suits was good. Suiter's line was good. Um, you know, I thought uh, Gars was you know, Gars has been playing good hockey for us. You know, probably can try to find a few minutes for a guy like him. But I thought he's he's been really good. Uh, yeah, bottom six. I, I think bottom six the last couple of weeks have really been energized our team. Like, and and there, like I said before, when there's a lot of power play and penalty kills, they got to sit there for five, six minutes. It's tough, and that's why I really respect those guys. Coach, uh, you talked about finding your game. Is that part of the evolution of the hockey club, maybe something that wouldn't have occurred last year when you were here? Um, I just think it's identity. We're trying to build the identity of a team. You know, um, obviously, you know, we're getting great play from a lot of different players. Um, and obviously Demko and Smitty when he plays. I, I, I just think the identity of our team. You know, we're getting to our identity of our team if things go bad, you know. And um, I think it's, it's just evolved you know, every day. I mean, I, whether it started last year and over the summer, I think we all all kind of kind of believe what we're doing. What's Demko's level of play do for this group? But uh, um, you know, just the the way he's playing. I mean, you, he holds the fort for the first ten, twelve minutes, and you find a way to win this hockey game. But you know, not every team gets that type of goaltender. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, you, you make a couple of mistakes, and he's that back there to make you know. I mean, they had they, they they came out to play. They had some great great eight chances, and he was there for us. Um, you know, who knows? You know, it could be three nothing for them right off the bat. So it just gives. It, like I said, it's it was like a. I'll tell you, Demmer's like a smelling salt. Like he, we woke up after Demmer after he made about I don't know five six seven unreal saves, and then we started to kind of wake up a little. But that's what I mean. The guys were actually really mad at themselves for not being ready. Um, and then, obviously, they found their legs. And then, uh, you know, I thought we really played well after that. What did you make of Niels Huglander's game tonight? Seemed yeah, like he got into the opposition skin a little bit there. Yeah, you know, that's his, that's his uh, you know, we, we, we try to find puzzles every night for certain guys. And that's what he is. You know, he gets on a forecheck. He's a really good forechecker. You know, um, he's working on his game. You know, he's been really spending a lot of time with the Twins on the on the defensive part and, and management of the game, and I think he's chipping away at that. But definitely off the forecheck, he's really good. What did you and your guys see on the Oilers' second goal where uh, Demko had the collision behind the net, no challenge there? What, what did you guys see there? Yeah, I don't think you would win anyways. It's outside the crease from what I was told. i, I got to look at the rule book. But, uh, um, yeah, it was just it was a miscue with the defense and Demmer. It was one of those things. Um, unfortunate. Seems to be more pushback in this team than we've seen in a few years. Uh, is that part of the identity of having that kind of that pack mentality when things get rough? Yeah, the pack mentality. It's just not one or two guys. We need everybody, and I think I can go up and down the lineup where somebody did something to contribute. You know, um, you know, and, and obviously your your best players. You know, like Demmer, like was all world tonight. I thought, I mean, JT Miller was a monster tonight. I mean. That's tough to shut down a guy like McDavid, you know, who's, who's an incredible player. But I thought Millsy was a monster tonight. And obviously, he was, he, what, he had four or five points. You know, he's he walks the blue line as good as anybody I've ever seen. So you're getting that kind of play from certain guys. Three wins against the Oilers in three head-to-head meetings. Yeah. Quite a big gap in the standings now, too. When it comes to, you know, beating divisional opponents, beating that opponent right. three times early in the year, how much do you think it means to the guys in that room in <clears throat> You know, view of the fact that things haven't necessarily gone that way over the past few well, years. It obviously gives you a little, gives us confidence. You know, like you know, that's a 
a team that is, you know, they're a great team. You know, they're, you know, they're favorites at the start of the year. You know, you know, we're, we we kind of built where, you know, our identity uh, the last couple of months and um, we need, you know, as much cushion as you can get. Like we can't rest on this. You know, we have to, like I said, we come in tomorrow. Well, actually we travel tomorrow, but it's a new day. Yeah. And then we, uh, then we go, then we worry about Ottawa Wednesday night. That's just the, what with the, and the guys love that. You know, and we're, and uh, I've heard a lot of guys say too, like, let's be humble. And and I think there's a lot of humble guys in that room, which is nice too. Power play didn't score against Dallas the other night, but you liked a lot of what it did. Was that just sort of a continuation yeah. of those guys getting rewarded tonight? Yeah, there's the good movement. You know, like I, I really like the movement that's going on. They're really buying into it. Um, we got some good setups. Um, you know, I think momentum of the of the Dallas game really helped us on on on, on tonight. You know, obviously, a couple of big goals for us. Rick, what about your guys' identity, and when you're playing that way, helps you guys swing the momentum so much? Yeah, yeah, that's but that's a th- that's a thing. Like you know, everybody's kind of buying into that identity. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know our puck management last year was you know I would say average, and I think we've really worked on it this year uh, in time when to do things and when not to. Uh, we're getting better at that. You know that's the next level, right? All the great teams, teams that win, that win consistently, are really good at game management, and that's something we're always striving for every game. Uh, you were playing with some different defense pairings. It felt like in yeah. the first period. What were you looking for with kind of splitting up the Hughes and Heronic pairing? Yeah, they, they, you know, they had McDavid on, on a couple of different lines. The, the, um, obviously, it was actually a pretty good game plan because they were all over us early. Uh, so we wanted to kind of, you know, we, we, we were going to, we, I told you guys a committee anyways, we're going to have di- different pairs every once in a while. So, um, yeah, footy did a nice job of managing that different, uh, different partners at, at different times. And Tyler Myers, I mean, continues yeah. to play well. What do you have to say about the way he's playing? Right I now? think he's been unreal. Um, you know, uh, the last five games, he's been one of our best players. So, you know, maybe six games. So he's, uh, he's dialed in. He's really playing well for us. Proud of him. P.S. Suter seems like a player who makes a lot of quiet contributions on the ice. He's been a bit louder the last few games, getting some points now. Uh, Does that subtle, quiet part of his game drive this now point-producing part of his game? Yeah, I think the first seven, eight games when he didn't have a point, um, I didn't see him get down. Um, You know, I know he wanted to work on some stuff. Um, But I think the last three, four games, you can tell he's starting to... He's finding his niche. You know, the, that's why we got him. He's a very smart hockey player, um, and we like to play fast. And I think he's starting to really know our system. You got to remember, he's a new guy, right? So, you know, sometimes it's um, you know a new guy that comes back. He likes to regroup and you know, kind of not play slow, but and I think he realizes now how we want to play. And I mean, obviously, he's been really good the last three, four games, and he's getting rewarded for it, which is nice. Have you ever seen a coach get a game misconduct before? Uh, yeah, um, that was in Pittsburgh. Mike Sullivan got kicked out. Yeah, I had to coach for about, a, I think it was about a minute. Um, but yeah, I've seen a couple of guys get tossed. I mean, it's, you know, it happens. I don't think I ever got tossed. I got a, I got a penalty though. Uh, yeah. To see Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes vying for top spot in uh, the league scoring race, uh, how much of that? Beyond their talent is a product of the buy-in you talked about. I think if you, if you know, obviously you buy into the system. You know, th- those guys are great. They're going to get their points. 
um, you know, they know that individual goals don't win. You know, uh, it's great at the end of the year, but it's the process for me. I really don't, you know, every once in a while, he's just got to score 50. He's just got, like, I really don't care about that. But if you play the right way, which those guys are, you're going to get, they're getting their points. So why not play the right way? And, uh, and they are, they are buying into that. You know, like even like Millsy, he does. He doesn't even care if he scores. Like he just wants to play that style, and he's getting his points. So that just tells you right there. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a six-two victory over the Edmonton Oilers, and um, you know he kind of mentioned yet again uh, he gave them credit for hanging in there and responding, like he's given them credit for, and obviously mentioned Thatcher Demko being like a smelling salt. You know, make five or six, seven saves before the team woke up. Yeah, absolutely. And and mentioning that the guys themselves were mad at the start that they had. Mm-hmm. That it, it wasn't him pointing it out that they got to get going, that he didn't have to say anything. You know, we've, both of our, our shows, talked to Yannick Hansen a lot. Mm-hmm. And Friday's for your show, Tuesday for my show, so tomorrow. And the thing we always hear from Yannick is, like, the guys have to control the room. Yeah, the coach is there to steer it in a direction, mm-hmm. but you can't have the coach micromanage day to day. And here's a moment where the players themselves are being proactive about it. Yeah. That it's not someone that's the captain of the ship and Rick Tockett and the coach mm-hmm. trying to do it. It's it's the, the group of players together trying to handle it. And then even further saying the players themselves were talking about being humble here moving forward. Yeah. It's not a message from him. It's the guys themselves are already focused on staying humble on this fantastic start, nine wins in 12 games. That, to me, is a telling part of what we just heard from Rick Tockett. No, I'm with you. And it's something that he's been alluding to, talking about the professionalism. And he mentioned today how the players you know, are watching video on their own before the game. They came in early today, Miller and those guys, to really hone in on the game. And it paid off tonight. And he said Miller was a monster and that his attitude is not about points, but he's picking up plenty of points. He has 18 and 12 to start the year. And and isn't that like the perfect thing for the coach too to say if you play the way we want you to play you'll still get your points, and it's happening in a massive way. And, That's and they're red hot right now. Again, yeah. I mean they're not going to stay at this level. They're they're on pace for like what is it over four hundred goals on the season. Like those things aren't going to happen. Like I totally understand, but it shows you though that if you do play the right way or the way they want to play. They are still going to get ample opportunities offensively. That to me is the thing that's most surprising here. Is I, I you know, I still think rightfully we came to this year and said like the, like there's a chance they're a low event team. Yeah, that they want to be you know the the, the structure all that and we do see that and I think at times that there are those you know seven ten minute stretches where the play can be in their own end but they kind of come through it. Set their first in goals four per game. Yeah. And and also first in goals against per game, aren't they? Were second in goals against per game? Um, goals against their second. Their second. A, a hair yeah. ahead of them. Yeah. So they have the best right now. They have the highest scoring offense, and they have the lowest score goal being scored against defense. So they have the best defense and by numbers goals against mm-hmm. and best off. I mean, again. There are a lot of things that are hard to sustain, and that's a very hard thing to sustain. But you get off to a great start, and you give yourself a massive chance to begin the season. Uh, the Bindi Gypsy says Hughes is the best Brindy. team. The Brindy? Yeah, the yeah. Brindy, my bad. Uh, says Hughes is the best D-man in the league right now, and it isn't even close. PD is leading the league in points. Demko is in the zone and making it look easy. And add what JT is doing on top of that, everything, in parentheses, this team has all the pieces in place. Who in the world would want to play this team in the playoffs all aboard? I'll take it one step farther. 
Right now, Quinn Hughes is playing better than any player in the league. Like right now, Quinn Hughes is the best player in the league. Connor McDavid is the best talent. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but who's playing best? Best right now? in form. I think Quinn Hughes, like, considering he's a defenseman, he's second in, in points. He's dominating as a defensive presence. He's controlling games. Who who's making a greater impact, shift to shift, than Quinn Hughes right now? Really quickly, I just tweeted this out. He's got twelve points in the last four games. There's only thirty six other players in the league that have twelve points this season. So he's got more points than Sidney Crosby does all season. Tim Stutzla, Adam Fox, Cole Caulfield, uh, Anze Kopitar, go on Brady Kachuk, all those guys. Connor McDavid's got 10 points. Uh, he's got 12 points in his last four games. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's remarkable. We'll get to more of your comments. We'll hear from Canucks players post game, and we'll hear from Jay Woodcroft from the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers meltdown tonight in a massive way in a 6-2 loss in Vancouver against the Canucks. Uh, James Aqualican Beach says, kudos to the leadership for team for calling themselves out before the coach. Wasn't that, it wasn't a great start, but they had a good sign to turn things around. We'll get to more of your thoughts, and we'll hear from more Canucks players. It's Sat and Bick on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Oiler captain wins the puck free. McDavid trying to shoot near post from a top angle. Gets into a shoving match with Miller. They're going at each other in the crease. DiGiuseppe pushes McDavid. Now Miller and Hyman drop the gloves. Miller coming around with the right hand. DiGiuseppe's into it in the corner with McDavid as Miller tackles Hyman to the ice. The linesman get in. DiGiuseppe has McDavid down behind the goal. McLeod trying to jump into that. As DeHarnay has a hold of two Canucks in front of the goal, both Hughes and Hironic. I, I think they did, if I'm not mistaken, have us hemmed in a few times, um, as you guys saw. But um, I think we, we kept them to the outside for the most part. I could be wrong about that. But, um, yeah, obviously we, we know the assignment and, and we tried to play them hard. So, um, you know, he's, he's a good player. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he's you a know good what? player. So, yeah, um, we agree. We agree. <laughs> my, I hope you can edit that out. That's all good. Bigger. That's why you guys agree. brought me on. Eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is Phil DiGiuseppe, who joined us on the post game show. Fired up after the game. You know, a little colorful. Nice, nice little edit. Is that there. me on the uh, edit there? I think so. It's I, you I, I, I don't remember saying it. Yeah, it's one of the times you did. You say you do a lot of preposterous oh, things on the airwaves sometimes. Can't be handled sometimes. So no, you can't. Certainly can. <laughs> now, for good reasons this year, Canucks win yet again their ninth win in 12 games to start the campaign. It is remarkable the start they're off to this season. Um, all right, we'll get to uh, some post-game audio. We'll get to, yes, 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 we'll get to Jay Woodcroft, some of the comments he had to make, especially about getting ejected oh, late batch. in the game. Batch? Yeah, oh, it's Batch. batch. Okay, yes. well, it's Batch. Okay, so it's not you. It's Batch. That makes a bit more sense. I think that was me. No. Uh, Dan and Brentwood, if Eric Carlson had to win the Norris because he had 100 points on a terrible team getting 30 minutes a night to be a rover and have a mediocre plus minus, then Hughes has to be a shoe in if he holds anything close to this pace. First and goals, assists, points, plus minus for defensemen. Unreal. Dan and Brentwood. That's a great point by Dan. Mm -hmm. It is. If you're going to be tops and plus minus and impact the game defensively five on five and feature penalty killing. Do you even need 100 points? Yeah. That's a great point by Dan Brentwood. No, it is. Uh, I think it absolutely is. And I think in terms of their star players, we mentioned 
Pedersen is leading the league in points right now. Uh, Grant says, your comments on how this start for the start to this team, should this continue? Is it a, at, at a reasonable level? And yeah, they're not going to get 130 points. Is PD starting to see a team that can win? He seems like he's locked oh, yeah. in. And considering what they're saying about the leadership group and how these guys are engaged in playing and they're winning and having success, I, I think so. People are asking, do we think Petters is going to sign a contract? I still believe at some point this season they'll talk again, or if not, they're already talking. We'll see if something gets done, but I would still very much expect something to get done, and it wouldn't shock me that it does get done at some point this season. It was my prediction before the season started. We get, we get a contract before the season is out. And you know, it goes hand-in-hand hand with predicting that they go to the playoffs. Yeah. But... Like, Seth, they're playing so phenomenal here. And look, I haven't done the full thing of looking at every team's cap and what it looks like next season, okay? So I haven't done that. But just right now, if you're Elias Pettersson, how many other teams are going to give you the contract that you can get and have a player like Quinn Hughes on the team and Thatcher yeah. Demko? Yeah. That's the thing, right? It's it's not even just about the money. Like, the, the Canucks have the money to, to sign them to a $12.5 million deal. I mean, don't think it's going to happen, but, but they have the space to they, do they so, yes. The, they, they will have the finances this offseason to be able to do whatever type of contract. They have $31 million in space. But how many other situations are A, going to have the money, be competitive, and have players like Quinn Hughes mm-hmm. on your team? And he also mentions he knows how special it is if he wins in a market like this. And if they do make the playoffs and they have even – a modicum of relative success, or you get a taste of what it's like with a city being alive for a playoff appearance. All positive things. Again, that's putting the cart ahead of the horse it's, to some degree. So 70 games to go. Yes, but yeah, and but those are the things there. You're right. It is intoxicating to go through that. All right, we'll get back to more of your text messages, and we'll get to some uh, Canucks player audio as well. Uh, but let's go to uh, what we mentioned earlier, Jay Woodcroft. What did he have to say? Then we'll get to some, some of your phone calls on the other side. But here's Jay Woodcroft. Uh, he talks about getting tossed in this 6-2 loss against the Oilers. I mean, against the Vancouver Canucks. You know what it was? Um, I asked uh, about the play on Holloway. Um, you know, it, it wasn't uh, not profanity laced or anything like that. It was a question. Uh, it wasn't well received when I asked the question. And in the end, I got to be better. I can't take a penalty uh, to put our team down. Um, but it, I didn't think it crossed the line at all. But it was sometimes the way you send a message or or ask a question, the way it's received might be. Um, not in the manner you intended to. And in the end, um, you know, I, the reason I asked that question, I thought it was similar to the penalty that McDavid um, took uh, to go down 4-3. on three. So I thought it was a fair question. He didn't. And um, in the end, i got to be better. Can't ask that question, apparently. How tough is that when you guys collectively are trying not to show frustration and when something like that yeah, happens? Well, you know, you know I, I think frustration would be a profanity-laced tirade. That's not what that was. It was a question. It was a, it was a fair question. And, um, you know what? It ended up costing us. I can be better. It cost us because, uh, you know, we were at the tail end of a power play there and it cost us the, um, the ability to try and find one on the power play. It didn't cost us a goal against on the, on the penalty, but certainly I can be better in that situation. I asked you this morning about um, defending and keeping the puck out of your net, and mm-hmm. the first thing you said was we, we need to bury some offensively first. Mm-hmm. Is that what the first 11 minutes felt like when you're out shooting them 19-2 to two and you only get one goal at that point? Yeah, I thought we did a lot of good things. We came out and asserted the way we wanted to play. 
Um, you know, I think their first goal we shot in our own net, uh, which is never fun. Uh, second goal we can be better on. Um, you know, but I, I like the, the fight in our team. I thought our team um, competed hard. We found a way to make it 3-2. Um, you know, we gave one up on the fourth one that, you know, we didn't love. Come out first shift and then the third period, there was a disallowed goal that we thought was was a fair goal. Uh, you know, apparently there was conclusive evidence to overturn it. And, um, you know, it didn't go our way after that. Jay, from the time it turned 2-1, yep. your team wasn't the same team as it was before. Uh, are you getting the goaltending you need? Is your team sagging here because you're not getting that goaltending? Well, I think uh, you've heard me say this a million times. Um, our goaltenders wear the same jerseys as the rest of the team. Is there moments that our goaltenders can be better? Yeah, there are. Is there moments that our team or individual players at different positions can be better? Yeah. Uh, the nature of that position is that um, the nature of that position is that you're the last line. So if the mistake is made, it ends up in the net. If you're a forward, you make a mistake. It's usually away from the net. There's other people that can help cover. Um, it's a stark contrast. Demko's holding them in through yep. 19 shots. Your guys on four shots. There's two goals. Yep. That's got to be what's killing you, know? Well. You know, we didn't like looking up and, and seeing the, the score, you know, in a period that we felt that way. But sometimes that happens. You can't script perfect hockey games. Sometimes another team's goaltender stands on their head and you give up a few mistakes and ends up in the back of the net, whether that's a goaltender or a player. Um, it's not fun, uh, but we can collectively be better. And if I know that, you know, I understand the nature of your question. That is... Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft doesn't want to throw his goaltending under the bus. Great and, follow-up, I spec there. Yeah, and you know what? And he he uh, didn't want to throw his team under the bus either. He he applauded their good start, thought they deserved better. Um, he groused about the goal that stood that that was disallowed. Um, I mean, the Canucks could quibble with you know Demko getting knocked yeah. over, that goal standing as well. So I mean, he's grousing over certain things. Uh, he he didn't really uh, say anything too inflammatory though. Um, he said he only asked a question, didn't say anything uh, anything profanity laced to the official for getting tossed in the game. So he seemed a bit perplexed as to I, I, why I, he was tossed. I wonder if it was a recurring theme. Yeah. Then. Uh, you mentioned like Rick Tocchet kind of looking over a couple times. And yeah. Like, you know, so this I, guy's I wonder like... if it was just a recurring theme throughout the course of the evening. And finally, the ref's like, dude, yeah, come on. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm here to work, too. I got to do my job. I can't be managing the bench uh, halfway through the game, too. So and, and honestly, I, like, I'd be curious if this is something like a common thing in Oilers games, because so far this year, like I. I I had a feeling that they would come in chippy this year. Yeah. Just because they're right at the precipice and they're ready to make this push and they think you get knocked out by Vegas and you say, okay, like we've got to be tougher. We've got to yeah. do all these things and let's try to convince ourselves that we're chippy. And we know like Nurse does a couple yeah. of things. Like there's guys on the team that do that anyways. And in the preseason we saw it. Even game one we saw it. We thought, all right. Like, I, th- I thought they would be like that anyways. But it doesn't feel like they have the handle of, of – when they go play the game, it yeah. feels like they're trying to win the gamesmanship rather than the game themselves. Yeah. And look, we don't need to spend a lot of time with the Oilers, but that's a team that looks lost right now. They do, and the Canucks made them tip over. 
and uh, completely caused a meltdown by the Oilers tonight. And it was Drysaddle losing his cool, was McDavid losing his cool, and even though uh, the whole first line was in the box, yeah, and even Woodcroft saying, you know, I didn't say anything, but clearly you did enough to get tossed from the game. So it wasn't like composure was really a strong suit for this Oilers team tonight. All right, uh, we mentioned we'd go to the uh, the phone boards. Let's go back in there right now uh, and let's start things off in Surrey, where we have Tambir on the line. Tambir, what's going on, man? What do you have for us tonight? Well, I just want to say, first off, uh, I appreciate you guys for doing this. Uh, you know, the last couple of years have been tough for you guys, too, right? Coming in after every game, you know, watching this team play for the last couple of years, it must have been frustrating for you guys as well. Um, and, it's, it's all good, man. We're watching NHL hockey games and talking about it. It can't be that bad. Yeah, I know. But, it, you know, as fans, it could be pretty frustrating. I, yeah, I, know I hear that. that. You are a fan, so, like... I hear that. You know, I want to avoid conversations about the Canucks the last couple of years, but, you know, so far, um, you can't say anything uh, bad about the team and the way they've started. I don't want to get my hopes up too high, but I will say that Quinn Hughes is just taking over. Like, when he got named the captain, he just, he knew that it was his team, and he's played like it. And I can't believe that he's second in the league in scoring. Um, the kid's unbelievable. The way he controls the game uh, with a puck on his stick. He can slow things down when he wants to. He can speed things up when he needs to. And now he's worked on his shot. Um, he's going to be unstoppable uh, as a defenseman, which is just crazy uh, to say about this kid. Um, I really want to get quickly talk about JT Miller and how great he's yeah. been. Um, it's weird how the last few years we weren't able to establish a leadership group. Like I want to get your guys' thoughts on this too. Like, who was a part of the leadership group the last few years, other than Bo Horvat being the, the captain? Like, who was a part of that group? Like, it was, you didn't really hear much about which core guys were leading the team. And Rick Talkett, the first thing he did when he got here, he was, I want to empower this leadership group. I want to, you know, tell JT, uh, Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko that it's your guys' team. And it's, it's up to you guys to take this team as far as you can take it. And uh, that's what we're seeing right now from this team. And uh, it's very it's very good. And I'm very excited to see what this team can do uh, all season long. Hey, uh, Tambir, great stuff, man. Thanks for the phone call. And in terms of the previous leadership group, and uh, this is not to be disparaging or anything. It's just to name who was part of it. Myers, obviously, was still here. Demko, who's here. JT Miller, of course, who's here. But obviously, it's Bo Horvat and also Tanner Pearson. Those those two guys were, were two you know, really big parts of it. Oliver Ekman Larson. Oliver Ekman Larson was part of it too. But especially that group with Luke Pearson Shen. too, Luke Shen too. That was really, and Luke Shen, you're right, and he got traded at the deadline. But up until then, it was really Miller, Luke Shen, uh, Horvat, Pearson, Tyler Myers, and Demko. Like that was really like kind of like the core group of guys. Well, now a bunch of those guys are gone. So what does that do? It forces a new core to evolve and they've empowered Quinn Hughes by giving him the captaincy so he has become the leader of the team they've empowered Elias Patterson by giving him an A and including him more and and there is his presence is growing in the room as well from the things we've heard and well how he's kind of you know Elias Patterson and how he's you know handling himself and how he understands he has to be somewhat, somewhat of a leader with this team so it has changed, and this is kind of the evolution of it, too. And if you go back to looking at players in the past who have evolved, a lot of them have evolved once they were bestowed with the captaincy. You looked at the Sedins, for instance, or Henrik Sedin. He got the captaincy. Next thing you know, they took their game to another level. We saw that with uh, Marcus Nasland. When he was given the captaincy, he took his game to another level. And you look at it now with Quinn Hughes being given it and these guys taking bigger roles – 
they're really growing into it and how fruitful is it going to be? We'll see. Right now, they're off to this incredible start, and it's a honeymoon period of the season that won't end. Yeah. That's what it feels but, like right but, now. But even beyond that, like just the results here and, and now, it's like great players that are obsessed with trying to be great. Okay, and I, I don't mean this to be disparaging to previous captains yeah. or other captains or that. Just I, I think we can sit here and recognize that Queen Hughes, Elias Patterson are unbelievable players. Okay. But guys who are obsessed with being great are insane about getting all these details right. Yeah. That they're going to focus on these things we wouldn't consider. We'd sit here and look at the ice and, okay, what's happening in the 60 minutes, but all the other stuff. Like, we're talking today, talking like these guys are in early to do video. Because once you see the best players doing it, you're going to want to jump in and say, okay, that guy's doing it. And it it really matters when your best players – are that committed to being obsessed about being great and it rubs off on everyone that's just, yeah. that's just what happens that's just what happens because there's just a different standard that's met now and everyone's got to try to catch up yeah it's it's, it's honestly as simple as that no it, it really it really is and it's it's taken some time for them to really understand it too. I mean, we talk about them. I mean, they're young. Somebody texted Stephen Stephen White Rock texted in Quinn Hughes is 24 years old. 24. And they're still young players, you know, and, and they haven't even reached their peak yet. You look at JT. When JT's playing the way he's playing right now, this is like the best version of him. He's 30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to points, peaks, they're a bit younger or whatever. But you, the best version of you is still years away. Look at what these guys are doing at this and age. And it can be uncomfortable at 21, 22 yeah. years old around all these other pros. People you revere. Like, we, we sit here and say, like, there's a lot of people saying, oh, bring Tanev back. Okay, well, there was a time when Quinn Hughes came to the league and revered the impact Chris, the, the influence Chris Tanev has on him. So are you going to overstep someone else's voice to try yeah. to grow your own? No, you, you're going to be... Uh, compliant to what the hierarchy in the room is. And it just takes time to you to, to find your voice, respect your own voice, be willing to challenge others, and, and find the balance between it all. And if you're at a stage now, like every post game or, or, or interview clip we hear from Quinn Hughes, it feels like it's it's pointed in a direction where it's like, okay, this is where we're trying to go. Yeah. There feels like a certain level of strategy Packed with the confidence that's started to emerge this offseason. I yeah. think it, it's, it's been very evident of the work he's put in and just the, the growth he's had. Yeah. And once that starts happening and your best players are leading the charge, it, it the, the, the growth potential is, is huge for everyone else. For instance, like like Brock Besser. Do you think Brock Besser is having this greatest season if, if Quinn and JT aren't as and, – and Elias Patterson? Like, it, it's a tight group. If four of the guys are, are gunning for it, you think Brock's going to be like, I'll, I'll see you guys tomorrow. It, you of course not. It drags them all along. You, you're forced to get in on it, and that's what you're seeing. And, and Brock has been, had his own reasons to be motivated this year, and he's been terrific. Ten goals on the season right now through 12 games. All right, let's continue on the phone boards. Uh, let's go to Victoria, where Glenn is on the line. Glenn, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Hey, boys. Fired up as per usual this season, yeah. at least. I got to tell you something. This is unreal. Brock is a stud. He's got 10 goals on the season, second in the NHL in goals. Uh, Pete's first in the NHL in points. It's just beauty to see these guys play the way they're playing. Uh, sight for sore eyes. I've been a fan for a long, long time, and it's nice to see the boys playing good. Um, you know, I'm not a Leafs fan, so I'm not going to say they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not planning a parade. 
But uh, I do appreciate the hard effort and the hard nose play that they're doing. Hoglander's stud too. Can't believe that kid's playing as well as he is. It's good to see. Um, Tockett's got them all on a leash and they're going for it. So it's good to see. And it's really good to see the Oilers losing. I really enjoy that <laughs> as well as Calgary. Those two teams losing makes my whole life a lot better. Every day when I get to work and see those Albertans and their hockey fans, you know, saying, oh, how about your team? They don't want to talk about it this year. Last year, they were all on me. This year, I just... I just grin ear to ear. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing, boy. It's a beautiful thing. You guys have a good night. Thanks for the phone call, Glenn. And, and yeah, bask in the glory. Listen, enjoy the good times when they're here. We know the good times 100%. don't always last, and there are lots of bad times. So when the good times are here, especially, enjoy it. Enjoy every single bit of it. Um, and I mean, he, he's right about pretty much everything he said. All those players performed well, whether it was Besser, Hoaglander. I mean, go through the list of guys tonight who had a strong game. People were texting in and said, give, uh, it was William and Langley said, give Dakota Joshua credit. He's been giving, uh, given, uh, he's been criticized for his performance. Mm-hmm. The coaches been on him, but I thought he had a strong game. Didn't Took love a penalty, his penalty. He followed up with the assist. Yeah, didn't love his penalty, but his assist, that chemistry he's shown with, he's good and active as a playmaker too off the wall. We've seen that with the play. Oh, he makes over the to Suter. He's man. great play. This is why, man. This is why you need this guy with his size, with his physicality, and he has good pace and speed. He has some skill. If he puts it together, like he's an impactful player. I was telling, we were talking about this before, before the game or during the game. If you can have Lafferty online, with his size and speed and aggressiveness. And Dakota Joshua can be engaged, and you have him with Joshua and Garland. And let's say uh, you have uh, Lafferty, Bluger, and, and Hoaglander, for instance, and then you have Joshua uh, with Garland, or uh, with Suter, for instance, and figure out what, what happens with Garland there. And then you have Miller and Besser, and PDG has that kind of a heavier line. And then you have Mikheyev, who's got that size and speed and, and that direct play. Not every line has an element. And that's why it's so important for Dakota Joshua to be able to, f- to fill out the bottom six with that type of a presence as well. Absolutely. Uh, 650-650, Hoaglander getting uh, a lot of love. Uh, is Hoaglander the new Honey Badger, new edition version? Uh, also, uh, some, some love for Tyler Myers. The, the market is fair uh, on Tyler Myers. And even uh, Rick Tockett mentioned it, um, that the last you know handful of games, uh, he has been very good. And you know we, we mentioned that the... He's the inkblot D-man, yes, and he struggled to begin the year, obviously. Yeah, and you need to to match the the performances or to balance it out. You need to be phenomenal because he he was really struggling those three games. Yeah, in the last five six games, he's been really strong, really strong. I think it's undone now. And hopefully for everyone, it's it's wiped the state slate clean for what this season is because uh, he's been really good these last five games. Yeah, he has been absolutely terrific. You're right. and uh, I've, I've been impressed with pretty much every player on this team right now to some degree in terms of where they've been at. There's been some response and that's how you get to this point of the season, right? To have 19 points through the first 12 games of the campaign. There have been 24 available points. The Canucks have picked up 19 of them. It is astonishing. Um, we'll get back to some of your text messages. Let's go back to the phone boards. Uh, Karn is on the phone line from Steveson. What's going on, Karn? Uh, what are your thoughts Feeling tonight? Hey! Hey! All right. I don't know what happened there with Karn's phone line, but somebody's yelling at somebody in the background. <laughs> People are excited, man. The Canucks are winning. You know, the excitement's there. It is November. No. Got a long way to go. Yes. Listen, a there, long way there to are go. only 70 games remaining on the season. That's it. 70 for the Canucks. 
Uh, just, you, just bottle up these vibes. Honestly, the vibes are fantastic. And, you know, for, for as well as the team is playing, they, this may be their peak in terms of results mm-hmm. over a 12-game stretch. Now, you might be hard-pressed. It's, to have, it's 792 uh, hockey yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, you, might have, you may not have another stretch this season where you're winning 9 out of 12 and picking up points in 10 out of 12, really. Which is it's crazy. You picked up points in ten out of twelve games. That's as good of a streak as you're going to have more 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 than likely during a season. But I don't think we've seen the peak of their performance as a team in terms of their overall team play. I think they've played well. Yeah. I think they've done a lot of good things. But I still see some room for improvement. You know, I, I still think you know Drywaller Joe was asking, are they going to make moves outside of Ethan Bear to get better, bigger moves? I could see it happening. I don't think they're going to be afraid of making a move if they can add somebody who can be a longer-term fit for this team. But like multiple dominoes need to drop before you try to do a big, bigger move. They need to move cap. Uh, they need to make other moves. Teams need to accrue cap space. They need to accrue cap space. It's a, it's a lot of different dominoes need to fall. Before it's closer that. to the deadline. Yeah, you know, and and we'll see if something else opens up until then. If somebody gets desperate or the Canucks make a money in, money out move, which they've made in the past too. So we'll see ultimately where things kind of go. But it's something you have to wait for. But I do think, in addition to an Ethan Bear type, and the point Joe made was Bear is still not a legit top four. But I do think if you upgrade on Friedman with Ethan Bear. And Ethan Bear is going to take some time to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's coming back. Even if they do sign him, like, you could probably expect him to do, to take some time to get back into full gear after missing that much time and joining in the middle of a season. It may take him well into the new year, closer to the spring, before he gets to his peak ability. But I think, in theory, if you're upgrading Friedman with Bear and you have another righty option, I think that's a pretty sizable... It's not a top four, quote-unquote, but I do think it's a sizable improvement considering... The bar you have with but, a Friedman type. So how many minutes would you say Ethan Bear needs to play? 14, 15? He'd easily play 15, 16. Yeah, so, yeah. so right now we're talking about Mark Friedman at 10. Yeah, he's playing. So like, he'll play 16 minutes. You eat up an extra five minutes. Does that start to eat away from Cole, um, Ronick, and Hughes as well? Like, yeah. Like that to me would be the biggest benefit. Well, outside of just having a certain baseline play, which I think he would provide, but just being able to eat up 14, 15 minutes at the very minimum would be massive right now because like, okay, now we're in the range here. I know we talked about this about two weeks ago. Like this is the range where I get worried about the minutes. If you were playing everyone, you know, 14 plus, 15 plus, it's less concerned. But to to have a guy that's playing two games in a row here, 10 or less minutes, that's when I start to get concerned about the longevity of this defense by committee. So at some point, hey, bank the points right now. And you can manage it. All all these conversations we've had in past years is like, oh, if you win early, you can manage Demko's stars. Well, you couldn't do that when you're losing. You You can manage the minutes of your decor if you know, hey, we're at very least going to be a Pacific Division three seed. Let's just manage this. Let's just manage this. And now you can start to, to work the minutes. But right now, um, pedal to the metal just for the next little bit here and bank those points. And then you really just need to play like 500 hockey from January onwards if you bank enough points. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt in Vancouver, uh, what do you guys think about Garland off the trade block? I don't think so. I just don't think it's going to be anything that happens soon. It's more about... Get again. Get to the new year. We'll mm-hmm. see if something develops. It's hard to move guys with term, anyways. Um, I don't think it's it's off the trade block. It's just not much happening on the trade block at this point. There again, I've still called this a transition year. Yes, R- results are one thing, but this is still very much a incomplete roster in the vision of what I think Alvin and Rutherford want to well, do. Well, Rutherford himself said they have a couple of contracts yeah. they still want to move, and there are a few more things they want to do as a team. They, they, haven't, they haven't fulfilled their vision of the team yet. And so 12 games should not dissuade them on 
the the future. Right. So it's still Garland. It's still Myers. It's still Beauvillier. It's still, um, yeah, those three. Uh, it, it, those three in particular. Yeah. At some point, something is going to have to happen with that. And that's a lot of chunk of change. That's like $14 million. Yeah. It's not insignificant. It's not insignificant. Uh, James Nicola can beat you. Think so. I'm digging the Friedman Cole combo. They've been fine. They've been good. But if you look at their deployment and how much they're playing, he's, he's not playing a ton. You know, mm-hmm. again, how much ice time is Friedman averaging as a Canuck now? 12 and, minutes? Yeah. And, and and he mentioned, hey, the goal on where Demko gets a goal. Yeah. Insurance. It's Friedman making the. He kind of loops around rather than being a bit more direct. So that, that, Adds to the situation. Yeah, I mean, again, like, and I do agree with the point that um, that James is making compared to what we saw from Noah Juleson to start the season, from what we saw from other options to begin the season. He's a clear upgrade, no doubt. It's more about you're still always looking to upgrade upon those upgrades, and the team, like even themselves, the Canucks themselves said, we expect him to be a good depth guy. Like Alvin sold it as he thinks he's a good number seven defenseman. So if you view him as a seven and he's playing every day, that means you'd, you'd love to upgrade if possible. But it's a good it's a good thing here because the bar with Friedman, he's passed it. He's done a fantastic job as a Vancouver Canucks so far, and he's helping the team win games. I feel There's like no we're doubt. just at that stage now. It's like with the death demon. Like we've seen so many here in Vancouver the, the last five, six years, a Fantenberg, a Biega, a Jordy Band. It's like, hey, for six games, really good. And then the fatigue starts coming up and more tape on you and all that sort of stuff. It, it just feels like we kind of reached that stage. Functional player, going to be in, in the league, and you're going to be able to spot start him sometimes if there's injuries. He, he's going to be able to help. But it, it, it is kind of feel like we're at that stage of the – the early adrenaline of it is starting to wear off, and, and you're going to see a couple of games where it's like, oh, okay, there's the play, there's the play, um, where is, is why the minutes are being decreased. Like, there was a breakaway chance for Warren Fogle. Yeah, and it's on Friedman. It's, yeah. It's like that. It's like the minutes got decreased right after that. And again, as good as the team has been, there are still ways to improve, and the team, if you want to be a cup contender, contender, there's more to do, and I think they're willing to do that. It's just about and, time and place for it to happen. And you got to be ruthless about it. Absolutely. I, I, like, and if you look at the MO they, for yeah. Rutherford, too, they've and, been and very Alvin, ruthless. Like, yes. They've been very ruthless. Tyler Mott, Luke Shen, like popular guys. And Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. It's like, hey, yeah. like, well, we're trying to do something different here. And they're not afraid of going and making a splash, too. I mean, they saw Hironic be available, and they went out and did mm-hmm. it. And look at how good Philip Hironic has been. So uh, wouldn't be surprised at all. All right. We'll end things off with one final phone call, and we'll go to CJ in Vancouver. CJ, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? So happy for Canucks Nation because we haven't had, like, an optimistic start to a year like this in a very long time. But I do want to kind of touch on – the Bo Horvat removal from the roster kind of freeing up airspace for other people to have these like big jumps in performance. I'm just curious of your guys' take on kind of like what happened with the Golden State Warriors all those years ago. Like you get Monte Ellis out of the build, uh, building, and now all of a sudden there's so many more touches for Steph. All these guys take these massive leaps. And I was looking at some of the stats. We were a pretty good team even last year post the Bo Horvat trade. So do you think maybe it was a misuse of him in certain facets of our game that was kind of choking this team's total ceiling or like what do you guys think about that hey cj thanks for the phone call and i love the basketball reference great take on getting monte ellis out of golden state and allowing uh, clay and steph 
and then Draymond to really grow the, uh, and take over. Just a fantastic, fantastic reference. The uh, Mont Ellis uh, reference catches at uh, plus oh, six thousand today. Incredible. Wasn't expecting that one. Incredible. Very impressed by CJ. And, and and I don't and I don't think it's about bad vibes. One thing we talked about a lot, and the point I kept making back then was, when you have Horvat and you have Miller and you have Pedersen and you want all three to play center, it's an imperfect balance. Mm-hmm. And because neither you don't have the guy to you know to do the things you need to do, and it's. And it's just too much if you can't have these guys coexist. And as good as Bo Horvat can be in scoring goals, there are some limitations to his game and things that he can do. Doesn't really make the players around him a lot better. Not a great defensive player, but he's good at scoring goals. But he's good at scoring goals by being in the bumper spot on the power play where he's most prolific. And he's his best five-on-five when he gets to carry and handle the puck a lot. Which means you got to have guys with him that have to allow him to be the guy that scores a lot, so he's not going to miss fantastically with these higher-end guys you need to play off of. And also, on the power play, you have to be a bit more set on where you go. And it was, I mean, hey, the Canucks scored a lot, and he was fantastic on it. But it didn't allow them to have the movement they have now. And just taking that out, getting a right-handed defenseman in, and then allowing the other players to... JT to take a bigger role as that as that go-to centerman, at least Pedersen take a bigger role. They have flourished with that greater responsibility. Pedersen's two-way game, which has been solid, but also now you have more prime time ice time. And JT Miller's been able to swallow up the load that Bo took with face-offs to hold his own, and he's excelling. And I, and I just think, as, as good as Horvat is, I think JT Miller is the more talented hockey player overall. It could be marginal, right? We're talking about two good players when they're at their best. But I just think JT, when he's at his peak, despite being a little bit older, is just a better player. So I understand the point CJ is making. Yeah, I, I think you're being a bit kind there. I don't think it's marginal at all. Like, we're talking about someone who put up a 99-point season. Yes. No. Like... We're talking about someone that's. Hey, I, I don't want to. Do, I don't want to do too much of the. Hey, no, Bo's going to blame him. He's a but, bad hockey no, player. No, I, I, but I'm with it. Hey, listen, how much crap did we take seven? last year when people when Bo was going off because we had said keep JT trade Bo? Yeah, we were yeah. so mad at us. But I'm just saying. But for me, it's always been like this guy's. We, we, we talked earlier. Like we've seen a peak from JT. We, we for for seasons we had seen a peak from JT. We hadn't really seen that, and then. He has it in his contract. Yeah, he, he has it in his contract year, 40 goals, or sorry, not 40 goals, but 40 goal pace when he was in Vancouver. And the contract was already signed by JT. It's like, okay, you, you've made your decision. Um, yeah, not that I'm trying to relitigate the past. We'll do that next week ahead of uh, the November 15th game, obviously. But it feels like the decision was justified. They, they were ruthless about it, and they yeah. chose higher talent. I don't think they have to apologize for that. And certainly the way JT's playing right now. And allowing Quinn to become the captain that he has. Is, I think CJ made a great point. And it's not even crapping on the player. It's more about you You get rid of something that doesn't work and get something else in return. And the space and the oxygen others can occupy all of a sudden allows them to grow and get greater and make a bigger impact. At the very least, that's what we've seen through 12 games. Enjoy the vibes when they're good, and they're fantastic for your Vancouver Canucks right now. A 6-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, no IMAC tonight. The game ran late. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was almost a three-hour game, and that's mm-hmm. why we decided to go but extra on the post-game show here to get as much in as we possibly could. I apologize to the hundreds of people who texted in that we couldn't get to your text messages. We did our absolute best to get to, to as many as we could. We'll try to get to him. If you we, we miss yeah. yours, we promise we'll get to yours as the season goes on. And I'm as sitting you here text trying to reply in. to everyone. Yeah, well, can I just read one? Yes, you can do one uh, more. Just because we do love the jokes for 60. Yes. Uh, Brandon and Poco's been putting good, good effort all evening, but I'll read the one. Ask Bick if he plans to uh, get together with Taka to comb over tonight's highlights. <laughs> hey, oh, All right. I see you working. We'll, I see we'll end you that. Working. All right. 
Uh, all right. We'll, we'll get to um, more of your thoughts as the shows go on here. Appreciate everybody texting yeah. in. Uh, thank Fast Eddie Gregory back at the station. Cam Bear for, produce, for producing. He's Bick Nazar. I'm Satyar Shaw. And this is the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.